Welcome to the Pursuit of Wealth, where the H is surrounded by abundance. Join us as we navigate and explore health and wellness topics from mindset to deep health to intentions and everything in between. We welcome you with open hearts, open minds, and with the hopeful intention that you'll become a tiny bit better than yesterday. Welcome to the Pursuit of Wealth, where the H is surrounded by abundance. Today, we are going to be talking about balance on a beam. Just kidding. The act of balance. What does that mean for us as individuals? How do we help to attain it for ourselves? And how is being out of balance can sometimes be where there's growth? So in today, again, we'll be talking about balance from a spiritual, from an emotional, from an inner, um, internal. We have got a lot to talk about. Are you ready? It's Julie, are you ready? I'm always ready. Margaret, are you ready? I am. I Johnny. Am. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Yes, Papa. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, balance is a big word, in my opinion. I usually, I I tend to feel like I'm pretty good at balancing, but then once I, w- once I change one little thing in my routine or my lifestyle or something happens, I feel I fall off completely. And then it takes a little bit of mind setting. Um, so in general terms for me, balance, um, I've been, I've been working for a long time now being able to you know you know how you tend to listen to balance between work life and you know personal life Mm -hmm. for me my personal life is very very big and my work life is very very little I don't know if that's good or bad but that's how I I like to that's how I like to live my life in my personal you know way because waking up and exercising is a huge part of my day and if I can't my days, my days look very, very different when I don't. And then my second biggest thing is my breakfast. It's the meal that I enjoy the most, you know. So let's say yesterday I went, I went to paddle to the lake with a friend and I, I did, well, it was Sunday, you know, and it's supposed to be like a really chill day, but I forgot to wake up earlier to have enough time to have to make up myself a good breakfast and I went paddling you know you go with this idea well I had a ton of fun don't take me wrong but I went with this idea just a couple maybe a couple hours very very chill you know at the lake it ended up being a three hour 8.7 mile paddle (laughs) I went really hard 
there were a ton of uh, boats out in the lake, so it was really, really hard. Once I, we finished, I, I really realized, I, I really enjoyed it, but I was, I, was, I was angry because I didn't have a breakfast before all of this um, to make the best out of my day in my work life you know, so that then I can come back and enjoy my personal life again. Yeah, that would be my definition of balance. Can I, can I ask you a question? Do yeah. you think, so you, what I'm hearing you say is that when things go great, when things are lined up, when you get to check all of your personal boxes, that drives your day. When you don't get to check some of those personal boxes, it sends you in a bit of a teeter. Does that sound accurate? Exactly. And I think most of our listeners, if not all of our listeners, can probably identify with this. But here's where I challenge, right? Because this is a very passionate subject for me because it's something that I've really changed in my life. And I do my best to be as flexible as possible, no matter how uncomfortable it makes me for that exact reason right? Because what happens if you don't have a good breakfast? But how do you, and I'm not putting you on the spot, that's not, that's not what this is about, but how do you become a little bit more flexible to say, oh, I didn't have a good breakfast. It's all good. I'm still going to enjoy them. Or I didn't get to work out this morning for various variables. It's not going to dictate my entire day, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think that we be, when you are so routine, and this is just my opinion, when you become so routine, I, I feel as if it causes more stress and more out of balance in your life because you've put so much on, I need to get all of these little things done, you know, prior to entering the world, prior to, you know, presenting myself, I need to be a certain way, right? Instead of like this, just being flexible, you know, and I love that word and I use it quite often. I do my best with the kids to, to show them or to, to model for them how to be flexible, you know, because I think that that's where to help them also learn to like teeter is great. It's okay to be like that uncomfortable. You know, I said the other day to one of the kids, when we get home, we're going to go for a bike ride. And I, no, I, I really want to get my homework done. I said, like, yeah, I hear you. Why don't we go for a bike ride? It's going to make more sense for us to go for that bike ride when we get home. Plus then you'll have a break. I'll be super quick. I'm just going to do my homework real quick. And I was like, I'm going to say, we're going to go for the bike ride. That seems like a better fit. And I was like, I really appreciate you being flexible, you know? And so we went on the bike ride because she was attached to this idea that I had to go home and get, like, that's what I needed to do. That's what I needed to do. And I helped to find different places where she could fit in her homework. Okay. Yeah. So we went on the bike ride, we came back and I was like, wasn't that great being flexible? You know, I tried to use that term a lot because she was very off because I interrupted her plan, even though it was okay. Nothing bad happened. She actually enjoyed herself. Do you know what I mean? But now we can take this outside of kids. I mean, how often are we stuck to our plan that we become unflexible? Yeah. So unflexible and then emotionally attached to something, you know? And, uh, and I think that that's where we don't like to be uncomfortable right? Each one of us, we have our own version of comfortability and we don't like to be uncomfortable. I'm really bad at being uncomfortable. Really yeah. bad. And I well, know in, it. And what, in, in Margaret, if you don't mind, what, what does being uncomfortable make us? Or what does that present for us? An opportunity to be what? Vulnerable. 
And I think that that's where too, we can get a little confused about vulnerability. You know, vulnerability is, you know, like a banana where you're just going to take a peel off and show that side of you, you know, without armor to just be you. It doesn't mean you weep in a corner, although it could, right? We don't know what vulnerability means, but when we're out of balance, that's what emerges is this vulnerability. Yeah. And I think it has, I think it also has to do with, for me, balance is about focusing on what's, what your priorities are. But like you say, I mean, being flexible, my priorities, yes, my health, my exercise, healthy eating, drinking all my water. I mean, those are my priorities most days, but there are some days when I just, I can't get to all of those things or something comes up that, you know, some emergency situation or some, something unexpected that doesn't allow me to, to do the things I would normally do in a day. And I, I agree with you, Margaret, that, you know, there are times when I'm just like, this is not good, but then there are other times when I should say more times than not, the outcome is very positive because I've learned to be more flexible. I've learned to embrace whatever happens to come up, realizing that for right now, this other thing is my priority, which may or may be, may or may not be partly involved, you know, involved with somebody else, but it's, so it's okay because like you said, Tiffany, nothing bad actually happened. And tomorrow I can go back and do my routine And I think just even saying that word out loud, even or to yourself, okay, you know, I'm going to be flexible. I'm going to be flexible and just allow this other thing to take place. You don't even have to say it, but it's honoring for yourself that particular moment. And just, you know, I'm going to be flexible. I'm not going to, you know, to Margaret's point, I'm, I don't have time for a big breakfast today. I'm flexible, you know, tomorrow I'm going to have the best breakfast, which by the way, Margaret, what does that look like? My breakfast? Yeah. Do you mind sharing? Well, lately it's been. <laughs> I, think I, right I think I put you on this one. I didn't mean to. It's just that you talked about this breakfast and now I just want to know. I, I'm so curious. I'm you can hungry. say no. I'm just I curious. Usually have, I usually have a ton of egg whites and like scrambled eggs with some veggies. And then I, I'm, I'm obsessed over this rosemary sourdough. Mm. And I top it off with uh, cottage cheese and some everything but the bagel seasoning. Yeah. Do you make the bread? Maybe. No, I failed. I tried, but I failed. Oh, no. So now I buy it. <laughs> That's yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I tried. I tried, but I failed in all of, in every single way doing the starter man that's that's a hard thing to do <laughs> but yeah i'm not giving up but i i feel that trying it for now and then you're pausing we uh, take my yeah i'm pausing it for a little bit i'm enjoying buying it <laughs> yeah that's that's what my breakfast looks like recently i i switch it up like in uh you know when i have more time during the weekends I tend to go a little fancier and do like a an avocado, I don't know, salmon, egg toast. Yum. All the all the good stuff. Margaret's cafe. I know. Yeah. One day you'll see. You'll see. 
but yeah it's more i i don't know it's it, we went like for example in yesterday's we went uh paddle boarding around 9 a.m and we came back at 1 30 you were hungry so I, was, <laughs> I was hangry i came home and i was like where's my chicken <laughs> but yeah <laughs> yes. yeah that's pretty funny but you know when things like that one of the things I like to do is kind of have my little emergency stash um it's funny because we do this when we go out with the dog do I need to bring whatever my wallet because we walk past a little cafe no no this is just going to be a quick walk ultimately we get out there we want to walk more and then we go past the cafe Neither one of us has any money, can't stop for a coffee. And so I, I just need to bring my wallet anyway, because what, what's the cost if we don't go by the cafe, right? Yeah. Nothing. I carried an extra five ounces or something in my pocket. Um, but having a backup for, you know, I'm going to go paddle boarding, even if the plan sticks and it's only going to be an hour or two, I know you get hungry. So having that little snack to bring along yeah right yeah gives you that sense of security but you know when you get hungry, yeah, what's the worst thing that happened when you got hungry nothing you, you know i just kept bitchy. going I, yeah a little bit but i kept i usually <laughs> keep it to myself yeah until like that's until what like you think <laughs> well, i keep it to myself until my husband looks at me and he's like what's what's happening and i'm like just Talk to me after I eat, you know? <laughs> Don't even look at me right now. Now we just, is Andreas home? We'll ask him if that's how it went. <laughs> no, he's not home. Thank God. You know, that, that brings something to mind, an experience that I had. And I think this is relevant because we talk about, you know, I keep it to myself. It's, it doesn't affect other people. I, I had um, my doctor in the U.S. His name is Dr. Richard Ng. He's an amazing guy. I've never met anyone like him. He's, he's a, a holistic medical doctor. He came to a, a house party we had once. There were probably about 45 people in the house. And he was beautifully social. He came early because he wanted to help, you know, get things ready. We chatted and I just, I, I just love him to death. And so he came to the party and he was circulating and visiting with everybody and more than five people came up to me after he left and said, who was that guy? I said, he's my doctor and my friend. Why? He said, I could feel when he left the room. Yeah. He's got such presence and positive energy. And I mean, it was, it was at least five people who said that very same thing about him. So if we think that our emotional state doesn't really affect other people yeah think again um i mentioned this from one of the first podcasts that we did uh through nikon psychology and it is based on these three questions that is just lovely and whenever i feel out of balance or whenever i'm working with someone or even with family um whether it's professional or personal i always try and ask these three questions to make it come out of that place looking from a third perspective. And the first one is, what have I received from this experience, this person, or this meal? Uh, if we're talking about food, this treat, um, 
a security guard, you know, that might have um, watched your car while you went to work. To really reflect on receiving. What if you felt, Tiffany, from walking in the woods? You know, you felt that sense of joy, that peace, um, that connectedness with the earth. Then what have I given to is the second one. What are you giving back? What are you providing? What is that reciprocal relationship? Is it letting out your anger? Is that why you, you know, might go to a particular place? Is it in a small group to really give your two cents, your insight, your perspective, outlashing your feelings, your bond? Same with your family. And the last one is what troubles and difficulties have I caused? Mm. That one's a little tougher to answer because it's very emotional. And a trouble might not even be your definition, but what sort of blockage did you cause? What was that sense of nothingness or less than-ness? Was it in your feelings? Was it in your anger? Was it in not being present? I, I come back to talking with my stepson um, past couple of weeks, I just haven't been present, um, giving, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 minutes, um, between my work, uh, in the evenings when he's not playing soccer, when he's not doing homework, when he's not watching TV, just to be sitting down on the couch and just be mindful with him. This was the first time in a couple of weeks where I actually did that mindfully, really explaining to him. Um, and just having a heartfelt conversation. So those are the three that I really live by. And my goodness, I haven't seen this in the past. I don't know how long, but man, since we're talking about going back into equilibrium, I mean, these just change everything, I, I think. We never know what someone else is experiencing. My, one of my favorite stories is in the um, Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that I think it was him himself who was on a train, a commuter train, and there were these kids just running all over the place, knocking people's newspapers out of their hands and just being really obnoxious. And the father was just sitting on the subway um, with his hands folded in his lap, staring ahead. And finally, somebody walked over, I think Covey walked over and said, you know, listen, buddy, you got to control your kids. He's like, I'm really sorry. They're screaming, they're yeah, they're, they're causing all these problems with all these people disrupting everybody. And he looked up, he said, Oh, I'm really sorry. I, I, we just came back from the hospital and they just lost their mother. And I guess I wasn't really paying attention. He said, all of a sudden, everybody around them was like, how can we help? You know, <laughs> but nobody knew they just assumed this guy was a jerk for letting his kids act right. that way. And, you know, so, I mean, we don't really ever know what's going on in somebody else's head. And it's another lesson that we learned in my coaching certification and, and, you know, throughout PN is that, you know, we can control one thing and that's our behaviors. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would go so far as to say our thoughts, but even those sometimes, you know, they come in before we m- massage them and, and, make them into what we want them to be, but we can only control our behaviors. We can't control the outcome of what we do. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so we, but we attach so much to the outcome that it throws us completely out of balance when it doesn't happen the way we thought it would. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, I'm going to forget it now. Have you heard of it? The hope, uh, the prayer of some kind is the hope. 
ho-open-open-open-o. <laughs> What's it called, Julie? The ho-open-open-o? Something like that. Um, it's a, what it's is, really powerful. If you just repeat those phrases. Yep. It's, it's, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. So if we're, we've quarreled for some reason, and I say, Julie, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And I love you, you know, and it, it really, it really can help quiet that ego to assist in, in sort of whatever it is Healing that is causing you. Closure. Yeah. Yeah. Because so often, and I'm dealing with this now is I want to hang on to things. My ego wants to hang on to things. Well, no, you've been wrong hang on to this because what are you seeking to do? You're seeking for somebody else to pay or to understand, or, you know, instead of just, and again, it goes back to that. I forgive you for what you do not know. You yeah. didn't know that I was hungry and bitchy, like, you know what I mean? Or, or vice versa, right? You, we can't presume to know what everyone is thinking at that exact moment. We cannot see things through other people's eyes and experiences. No, right. So if you've had a poor experience, and again, I bring up my daughter because for some reason, it's very easy for me to ask her for forgiveness. You know, I, yesterday I spilled water. She was coloring. She loves to color. I've mentioned that a few times. She's really getting this picture. And, and, and I just like, poof, I don't know, spilled my water everywhere. And she starts crying. I said, I am so sorry, honey. You were working so hard on that. I recognize that. I understand that that's super upsetting. Please forgive me. And she was just like, mm -hmm, you know, through tears. But I try to model that for her, you know, and I ask for forgiveness. Please forgive me. I, for some reason, again, I, it's very easy for me to do it with the kids. And I say, please forgive me. It's like, yes, thank you. And I love you. And I don't even realize that I follow this script. But it, it's, it's so profound, again, to even ask for that forgiveness, right? To recognize that you've done something poor or acted out in a way that maybe doesn't, it's not who you are, but emotional, whatever. And you say, I'm, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And then you thank them. And you follow up with maybe it's not I love you if it's, you know, a coworker or, you know, you know, something like that where the I love you might be a little inappropriate. <laughs> um, but there's some sort of appropriate word to use, mm -hmm. right? Just to honor that maybe something happened, right? Something maybe like there was I an honor interchange. You. Yeah. And exactly. I've used that mantra myself, like out on a walk before mm -hmm. and just kind of repeated that as an affirmation, but talking to myself, right. You know, for things I I'm doing or not doing that, you know, just feel out of alignment with my values, my personal values. Cause we do that from time to time. I mean, we're humans, right? It's a, it's an experience. So and we have that right. We have that it's right. No, there's never going to be perfection in us or our behaviors because it doesn't exist. No. No, in, in perfection is, is, is a word that I focus on and I use it so often and I, I do my best not to, because what is perfect? Can you repeat that one again? I'm sorry, please forgive me. What were the other two? Thank, thank you. you. And I thank, thank you. you. And I, I love, love you. you. Yep. I, I used that for about a week while I was out for my walk. I just kept repeating over and over. I mean, I, I, I mean, I've also struggled a lot with forgiving and I mean more about forgiving myself for my own faults, limitations, but also those that have hurt me. I, I was reflecting on this last night. Um, 
I've been meditating uh, for about 30 minutes before going to sleep. And last night it was about the previous relationship and what that meant to where I'm at now, because I'm always in a state of wanting to grow. Never. Well, while being satisfied with where I am now, being present and more mindful. And I was talking um, to my stepson about this today, too, is that no matter how old or what stage of life that we get into, we're always looking to grow. One year from now, we're never going to be the same. Right. So the relationship that I was reflecting on was may, maybe four, five years ago now. And just my state of mindset was so poor. It was my first major relationship. We lived together. Um, she had a child. And yes, I, it was more out of pity for her. Um, and to be honest, but that source of love, that gratitude and what that whole relationship provided me personally, mm-hmm. as well as her daughter, it, it was more of that place of growth, but also needing to forgive um, the hurt that I caused and the mutual hurt that we caused each other. Sure. Leading on our sort of life path and the lessons that we've grown from that. Um and it, you know, it brought a tear to my eye, um, some of the things that I've done, the actions that I've led to. And I mean, as this topic, we're talking about equilibrium, getting into this place of balance. You don't know you're out of balance until you look at it from a third perspective right. or from the perspective um, of something like meditation, where you detach yourself from that feeling, yeah. being so caught up in the feeling even with weight loss, I didn't know I was overweight until I started losing the weight and having to see pictures from that third eye point of view mm-hmm. and to become having that social acceptance or social approval mm-hmm. um, or recognition. Same thing with this relationship. I didn't know how, how bad my state was. I mean, I'll be vulnerable. Um, you know, I, I got very angry. I yelled. I, you know, broke some glasses just out of anger. But there were just actions that I've done reflecting on it that I really wanted to be in that place of forgiveness. And through my soulful connections, I hope in a way that energy, that manifestation can actually make us um, far better now mm-hmm. as time moves on beyond words, beyond feelings, beyond the physical, um, that that way we can be in some sort of closer balance. Even if, you know, she can't feel it personally or physically, I believe that there is some metaphysical attraction or connectedness that we all must feel. Whether we believe it or not, I mean, I, I believe it's just one of the other laws in the universe of just undeniable love when we can give ourselves to that when we can um, surrender to that. Yeah. And this, uh, you know, how I and forgive me, because I don't know how to pronounce it either. Hope and Pano, um, but it's a it's a Hawaiian practice. When you do that, you can be thinking about another person. You can be thinking about yourself. And usually it's best directed inward because we have to forgive ourselves first. Every crappy thing that's happened in our lives, we've had we have played a part in 
unintentionally or, you know, or intentionally, but, you know, we all have things we've done in the past that we regret. We all have things we, we look back on and think, oh my gosh, was that really me? And, you know, I do too. And, and realizing that I'm a different person now than I was then. And I forgive myself for those things because at the time, either I didn't know any better or I was so caught up in a moment that I wasn't thinking clearly enough to behave in a, a different way. But I can't erase what I've done and I can't feel guilty enough to erase what I've done. And so I have to learn to forgive myself and carry on. Because one thing I learned after the death of my mother is that regret, carrying around regret and guilt is like a slow releasing poison. And it blocks you from moving forward. It prevents you from being able to achieve that balance, to achieve that inner sense of, of peace with yourself. And I've even gone so far and I've counseled some of my clients to do it. I've written letters to people I feel I've wronged and I, or people who I feel have wronged me. And in the letter, I talk about what happened. I talk about how I felt because of it. I don't want to say how it made me feel because people can't really make you feel things without your permission, but I, how I felt about it. And then in the end, I forgive them and I forgive myself. And then I burn the letter. And it's amazing how freeing that feels just to release that. Yeah. I can be talking to my mother, you know, who's no longer with us, or I can be talking to my friend who obviously isn't there to read it, but at least it's a way of expressing but it isn't, it's still not as effective as pen to paper. And I, I think the most powerful reason for that, um, in my opinion, is when we have thoughts in our head that need to come out or we want to share experiences or things like that, we're purely looking for somebody to listen in a very natural way without opinion. Yeah. And that's very hard for most. I mean, we're all given our opinions where they don't where they aren't warranted, right? And for me, I know personally, the pen and paper listens. There's no judgment. There's no opinion. It's just here it is. Now I can move on. You know, it's almost, yeah. you know, because you are looking for validation, mm. right? I mean, we're all looking for some sort of validation that our experience is real. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if it's actually real. It's just, well, my experience is my experience real. And for me, I find that on paper, there is none of that. It is real because I'm, I'm experiencing it. Right. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm talking about it and then I'm moving on from it. Just to put it on paper, yeah. you know, just, yeah. just that action. It's so powerful. It connects better to your brain that way. Mm -hmm. When you physically write it down, typing it into a computer isn't, doesn't have the same no. thing, uh, same effect. Yeah. Not as emotional. Yeah. Emotional writing. Also remember that when whenever you're typing, you there's always a delete button. Yeah. When you're writing it down, there's no delete. There's no delete. So you, your emotions <laughs> are really captured when you're writing it down because you can't erase it. You know? Well, it's like written in paper. The one technology that I do that I do employ myself from time to time is a video journal. Sometimes I'll I'll just record myself and I will talk into the camera because then I can see my facial expressions, I can see my body language, I can hear the intonation. Because yeah. you your your emotions are captivated. Just on a side note, when you do write, your emotions are captured in that writing. Business yes. writing has a certain connotation than feeling of anger or you know, you're going to write faster. You're going to write more more sloppy when you're in a rush. 
Whereas in typing, okay, it doesn't matter if you're angry, the words are going to come out the same. Your handwriting is something very personal, very, it's an identifier of and, you. Yeah, there's something very, um, what do I want to say, not ambiguous, but an almost anonymous about putting it into a computer. Because it goes to the ether. It's why people say so easily say such hurtful things in, in social media or in text messages or in emails. And you can't, you, I mean, the kind of things you send in those messages, you really have to pay attention to because you have no idea how that person is going to perceive what you intended to say, the emotions behind it, because it's going to be completely based on how they're feeling when they read it. And a lot of times we don't allow ourselves to feel the feelings. Right. When that goes to this uncomfortable. Yeah, we feel we feel weak or we feel ashamed or we feel guilty. You know, I shouldn't feel that way about situation X. Um or, you know, I'm so angry and it's just such a bad thing to be angry uh, with somebody who, you know, like, like somebody died and I'm angry because they're, you know, they, someone, I had a friend who, who took her own life and I spent a lot of time being very angry. Why didn't you reach out for help? Why, you know, it was wrong with you that you couldn't, and instead of, and, but I had to validate the fact that I felt angry about it until I felt sad because mm -hmm. if I've stuffed that anger down, it's going to come out. It's going to come out sooner or later. It's going to come out one way or another. And you might not get to choose how it comes out. If you don't go ahead and let yourself feel it, how you express it is a whole other issue. But yeah, but you never reach that internal balance if you don't feel the discomfort and the, and the feelings that maybe you don't enjoy, but you got to process them. It's so tough during this pandemic because so many of us have been isolated mm -hmm. from those personal connections and as we're talking about now with emotions it's hard to seek it's easy to seek that validation online but to get true authentic personal connection with each other through small groups through coaching whatever have you through a friend through a family member just real authentic ways of connection it's been tough for a lot of us and you know hopefully now with this next year we can really come to an understanding how important connecting is rather than bearing your feelings or excusing your feelings either for work or other projects um shading yourself away from just confronting really confronting whether it's having dinner with your family at the table whether it's as hard as as hard as it might be, you know, giving a call to a family member that you've had issues with, you know, yeah. being able to forgive. If it's with a friend that you haven't talked to in a long time, just to reach out, ask them honestly, how are you doing? Yeah. Ask them to coffee or, you know, if not to coffee, then a Zoom call. I mean, we do it so often. We've connected, you know, six months ago now. We've never had face-to-face -face personal contact, but... I've never felt, you know, closer in recent in recent months or maybe in the last couple of years to anyone else um, just personally connected. So I really suggest um, any listener out there that's struggling or if you're wanting and really desiring more connection. And if nothing else in your community is working for you, reach out. 
Especially there also, may be other people struggling. Yeah. And that's how we all come connected. I mean, as I said before, we're all connected metaphysically in the most weird, crazy ways. And it just starts with reaching out. The relationships I, uh, that we bring about and that we attract, everything in like brings you know, uh, to attract. Out of anger, we attract anger. Out of likeness, we attract likeness. Out of love or self-love, we attract that as well. Mm-hmm. How can you want, I mean, it, it, it's, if you want love, be lovable. You know, if mm-hmm. you want to attract anger, then of course you're going to be angry. But usually that's not what we think about. You're not in the space to think, well, I'm attracting anger right now. Right. But if you were in that space, would you would you not adjust to understand? No, I don't want to attract anger right now. Even though that's what I'm doing. Right. Right. Because our emotional state is going to dictate, you know, and, and I think what we were talking about before when we we're talking about, you know, like this vulnerability and kind of like being out of balance. I think a large part of that has to do with security and insecure. When we talk about self-love, you know, I think one of the biggest um, sort of, you know, subwords to that is something just as simple as boundaries. When it comes to boundaries, they can be seen as a very negative thing. But you know what I don't like? Approval, right? Because when we seek approval, we're seeking somebody else to suggest that we're good enough. No, but acceptance acceptance is, you know, in, in the public sphere is a synonym for approval. But if we direct that inward, it's okay. But yes, seeking external approval. But interesting you said that about boundaries because in psychology today, it says... Self-love is a state of appreciation for oneself that grows from actions that support our physical, psychological, and spiritual growth. Self-love is dynamic. It grows through actions that mature us. And critical components of self-love were compassion, being centered, meaning, and purpose. But boundaries, forgiveness, and self-care are essential pieces of that puzzle as listed by the psychologist. So I just thought that was really interesting. You know, what's interesting about forgiveness too, because I struggled with forgiveness. Um, I, after my divorce or, you know, going through it and my separation and everything, I sought out a, there's this woman from my town. She's a median, but so I went and saw her. Um, and then I went back and saw her because she said, you know, we had such a, just a nourishing conversation and, and, and whatnot. And so I asked if she did more like one-on-one, like, I don't want you to read, you know, and she said, yes. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've seen her quite a few times and she's a glorious woman. And she was, her biggest message to me was you need to forgive. Then I'm suggesting that it's okay that she did all of these things to me. And she said, no, no, no. You're forgiving her for you, not to release her of her, you know, issues. You're saying, I forgive you for me, you know, and that was a very um, poignant phrase that I learned and that I, I understand and appreciate now, you know, I, and she had this little saying, and it was, I forgive you for what you, I forgive, I'll have to find it exactly, but it's basically, I forgive you. I forgive you for what you do not know. And I forgive myself for what I do not know. Yeah. Yeah. If I could read something, um, just to further the conversation a little bit. Um, so 
out of context, but um, finally, I believe in the profound capacity of openness and honesty to aid us in acknowledging who we are and what we've done. Our healing comes much more from accepting the reality of the things we have done to hurt others. And then it goes to a poem, which I think from forgiveness, we have self-esteem. Mm -hmm. Arrogance is foolishness. Pride is unrealistic. The discovery of humility is pain. Humility itself is freedom. Pride in one's humility is seductive and dangerous. Self-esteem is an illusion when it is esteem for the self. Esteem for the self is wisdom. Guilt is natural. Compassion is natural. Two ends of the same stick. Gratitude is the natural response to opening one's eyes. Moments of seeing gifts themselves. Clinging to unreality is demanding and exhausting. Reality is just as it is. Make your image a realistic one. Disappear into the mystery of being ordinary. It's a long fall, but the ground is soft and firm. That's beautiful. That's awesome. I love it. We can, can we share that, Johnny? Yeah. We we'll share that, the link. That was really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And what this is saying is that all of these are tied together, but the true freedom in what we have is in humility to accept that what we've done in effect to others and even in effect to ourselves is the reality of what it is. Mm -hmm. We can deny it. We can run away from it. We can face it. No matter what we choose to do, that is the reality of what has happened, the effect that we have to someone else, to ourselves, how we respond to it. So, so I think a large and a large part of that, you know, if, if I'm hearing it correctly and understanding it correctly, is truly when something provides us this feeling or unbalance or or whatever it may be, is to look inward, because it's not an external. It's not an external attachment. Yeah. It's an internal one, but we seek the external to not be uncomfortable, you know? But everything we perceive is our experience, and that's an internal thing. And so I think a large piece of that has to do with looking inward. Yeah. And I think, again, when we talk about insecurities, that makes us wildly uncomfortable, right? Because we feel exposed. We feel very exposed. But is it anyone's fault? No. And so how do we find that balance to be okay with being uncomfortable or being insecure in our own space? Mm -hmm. Because that's where I feel the work will happen in in. in for that sort of internal change too, you know, mm -hmm. if, if we have an exchange that leaves me feeling insecure or vulnerable, is it on you? Is it on that other person? Is it on that relationship to suggest that somebody did something to you or is it something that just happened? You know, I know my daughter knocked over the chair and it broke. And she says, mama, I'm sorry. I said, I know, honey. 
And she's like, but you're upset. And I'm telling you that I'm sorry. And I said, I understand that, honey. And while I'm not upset with you, I'm still upset at the situation. And that's what I'm feeling right now. I love you. I'm not upset with you. I'm upset at the situation. And just trying to have her understand that so that she could understand that I'm not upset with you. I still love you. This is of no reflection of you. But this, this particular situation is what's upsetting me. And that's okay, because it's going to be, you know, 30 seconds of, I have to, well, the chair broke, right? right? Solve this problem. And then we just move on. No, it wasn't purposeful. And I totally understand that. And I think we can look at that to conversations too. You know, if, if, if somebody says something to us that we think, well, they're just being rude or, or they're this or they're that, that's what I say, look inward. Because very few people actually do things to us. We may perceive it that way, but that doesn't make it true. Right. And we, often, know? Take, we often take responsibility for other people's feelings. That's right. A lot of and times. That to me is something that I, I, I know I deflect so wholeheartedly at this point where I say, you know, that's not my responsibility. Yeah. It is not my responsibility to make you feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I think that speaks to the insecurity, right? Mm-hmm. You are thinking that you're putting in all this work and in for what nothing is happening. And that mm-hmm. exposes you that inf- exposes those insecurities, you know, how often, and, and, and perhaps I'm sure I'm, I'm going to say that suggests that probably everyone's experienced this where you do something project or, or what have you. And let's just say a boss or, or your mom or somebody, you know, you go out of the way and you do all of these things. And then you're like, I did it. And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. You know what I mean? Where you've put so much energy into the results of how this will make somebody else feel as opposed to saying, well, I worked really, really hard on this. This is something that makes me feel good. You know, I put in all this thought, I put in all this effort. And to kind of resign yourself to the fact that it's all this internal thing, but yet you are seeking some sort of external validation, somebody else to assume that you did this great work and to really recognize it. And when they don't, right, which is not their fault because they don't know, they, they don't, they haven't known what sort of a reaction that you're seeking, right? But you've put so much into it and when you don't receive it, how does that make you feel? And, and probably felt and maybe even stated some pretty uncomfortable things because something wasn't received the way that you expected. To me, that's something more internal than external. Nobody owns that. Do you know what I mean? And yet so often we throw ourselves out of balance seeking something else. That's not somebody else's. Yeah. Well, I thought you'd be proud of me. What? And what does it matter? And, and, you know, it's, it's right. actually, I mean, back to the weight loss journey, cause it's what we talk about so much. It's what so many people seek, but if we don't have that sense of self-worth, we won't recognize all of the things that are happening internally. I was consistently eating less. I was consistently moving my body. I feel better. I'm sleeping better. My moods are, but whatever's happening because we're looking for that external validation of the scale or in a relationship with someone else or a project, like you said, you know, instead of feeling that sense of accomplishment that, wow, yeah, I did this. Um, we need someone else to validate it. And, and I'll take that, what you said a step further, even further to calling them a jerk or being angry with them or whatever, we may take it back on board and say, 
I'm no good at this. Right. Or I'm not good enough. Right. I'm not good enough because they Mm -hmm. didn't want to give this the appreciation. So it must be terrible. Therefore, I must be terrible. Right. I've seen it time. I worked 25 years in HR. I've seen it time and time again. I've experienced it a few times myself. Right. Right. Easier to consume is the external appreciation, validation, money. And then your projection of it. Have you? Right. And then your projection of how it was perceived dictates how you feel about something. Your anger, your resentment, you're giving that power to somebody else when you feel those things. Likely they have no idea that you've given it to them and they're just going about their day, you know? And we don't know what they're going through. No. We make assumptions about how someone else is going to react, but maybe they just lost somebody or maybe they just got chewed out by the boss or maybe they're struggling with a project and they feel bad now because they see this great thing you did. They're like, oh my, I really better step it up. I mean, it could be any number of things. Comfort or space, but to actually physically make you feel good about yourself, that's not something I can do. That is not my job. That's an internal thing. I have a similar situation about... Uh, or a, a similar story when it comes to when let's say you say I want to lose 10 pounds right and then you start motivation is on top of the hill you're waking up every morning and doing whatever you need to do to do it but then and you're stepping on the scale every single day and at the beginning you know you're losing all this this water retaining retainment and then the scale is very very nicely going down and then you get to this point where you think you're hitting a plateau and you start getting angry, you know, and you start blaming stuff mm-hmm. and you start like, yeah, basically you're angry at the situation. You're like, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm following every single step. My nutrition coach or whoever is you're doing or the, the book that you're following. I'm doing everything that I've been told to do. And still, I'm not getting the results. And then you start accumulating this stress and anger and everything that you're putting into your body and mind um, in. And then you're like, you don't really realize it's one, it's part of the process where you need to accept where you are and, you know, forgive yourself, forgive your body for doing what it's doing. And then It's also about a matter of, you know, kind of stepping out a little bit and understanding that you're in a process where it's okay to not lose a pound daily, because if you keep going that route, you're just going to disappear. It's impossible. And again, I think that speaks to the insecurity, right? Mm -hmm. You are thinking that you're putting in all this work and in for what nothing is happening. And that Mm -hmm. exposes you. That exposes those insecurities, you know? And I, I, I think, you know, for me, my personal work has really been in being uncomfortable and having somebody respond to me in a certain way and then just going, not mine to own, you know? It's not mine, how they feel about that particular situation. What, what facts do I have? What truths do I have? Does that validate that, you know, to validate, because it is just somebody else's individual experience. You know, if somebody tells me I ruined the day, old Tiffany would be like, no, you ruined the day. You want to tell me I ruined the day? You ruined the day, you know? And now I go like, 
I don't know what evidence you have to support that. That is your experience. And I honor that for myself, but it's not my experience. And I'm going to walk away from that understanding that that was not my experience and that's okay. You know, and yes, there's still that pain of uncomfortability, right? Where you go like, oh God, that's, that's tough. And then you, you know, you settle down and say like, no, that's not, that's their experience. It's not mine, you know, and I don't have to own that because it's not mine. Right. You know, and it's in that internal emotional space where I feel you have the most growth to understand that it is, again, nobody else's, you know, when you're in your daily work, or if your kids don't respond to you that way, or your spouse doesn't respond to you the way that you, you think or should, or, or what have you, again, that's just your own insecurities, you know, and, and to turn inward to that, to understand that likely no one is probably making you feel making, right? Because how can we make anybody feel anything? (laughs) There are very few interactions that I feel where someone is actually doing something to you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And just like you say, thoughts are not facts. Feelings are not facts. They are not. Feelings feelings are real for you. It still doesn't make them valid. Yeah. Though, because they are definitely valid and they do shape much of our reality and the way that we go about our life and ultimately behave (laughs) and react certain situations though they may not be facts i think they're personal facts they are exactly that we receive and they're part of our contract and i mean facts as 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 it relates to other people right their feelings are not facts for you necessarily right it's worthy of being empathetic it's worthy of being compassionate it's you know everyone deserves that um openness i guess but you know, my feelings are not your fact or reality. They're mine to feel, not yours to fix or change. Um, and, and I think that so often we put a lot on those feelings, Johnny. And, and I appreciate what you said, because that is true. They are our experience. Yeah. But how often do we sit in them a little too long? Mm-hmm. Because we think that they're valid. We want somebody else to validate that our feelings are real. Yeah. Why? Why do we need somebody else to validate what we're experiencing is real if we're living it, do you know? And then it's also important, in my opinion, if you feel a certain way, you know, whether it be anxious or, or what have you, um, what evidence do you have to support that? And I think that that's, that's a telling piece to that, right? If you think that somebody is mad at you, what evidence do you have to support you to support that? Well, they kind of were just a little rude to me, I think. Yeah. And, and and that's not really what I'm trying to no, say. No, I don't mean to discount feelings at all because I think it's really important to feel them and sit in that discomfort. Exactly. And process it because otherwise the opposite of what you're saying is we stuff them down. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we stuff them down with excess food, alcohol, drugs, irresponsible behaviors, you know, anything that is not supportive of good health, mental or physical. And, and I've said this before, they will come out. At yeah, they will. Point. And again, if you stuff them down, it's just avoiding that, that validation yeah. or you're, you're still seeking that validation from an outside source that everything else is mired by it. Right. Yeah. Instead of being vulnerable, sitting in that insecurity, sitting in that space, owning it, mm-hmm. honoring it and moving through it. And you know? knowing that it's not going to last for very right. 
Right. Because the, what, what do we know? The more loving and joyful and content we can be, right. You're talking about that doctor, Mm -hmm. no doubt. He was a very content, loving and joyful man. You know, I put content as first because I, I feel that strongly. The same thing is true. If you are constantly anxious, constantly angry, constantly um, not able to be vulnerable, that's what you're giving out. Mm -hmm. Naturally, that's what you're going to receive, you know? There's a vibe that everyone, like, you know, gives out that you can't control. It's just a natural vibe that you can. And in, in in various moments, people have told me, you are very chill relaxed and i'm like well i don't gain anything if i just stress my brains out at something that i cannot control Mm -hmm. or for example like oh you couldn't do this oh i couldn't i why am i gonna be stressed or in a bad mood or yelling at you if there is nothing i could do to do it and then they're like well but that kind of seems a little like if you don't care and I'm like, oh, I do care, but that doesn't change the fact that I can't do anything to help you or to help myself or to change the situation. And I love what you're saying right there, because also what I'm hearing you say is somebody else is perceiving how you should care. Yeah. yeah. Or telling me oh, how I how you acting out. Right. Right. You should be out of control right now because I'm feeling out of control. Again, that goes to have the cake so that I can feel better about it. But it's true. Right. Yeah. How are you not upset that somebody just cut us off? Because nothing bad happened, right? I don't know what their situation is. But so often people are looking for us. I mean, let's be honest. When we have emotional conversations with people, especially based upon more anger or um, upset, when I say they're not real, I don't necessarily mean that it's not real. Because again, that is your experience. But how often have we had emotional conversations with somebody else? And then 10 minutes later, go like, oops. (laughs) You know, or the next morning you wake up with a different, with a different headspace and think to yourself, wow, I really acted poorly. I reacted to that poorly, you know, and that's something that's a goal of mine that I, a personal goal of mine is to not have those emotional conversations. And I think that comes from boundaries too. And just saying, listen, I'm not emotionally available for this conversation right now. Yes, it's important. I, I hear you, but I would like to revisit this another time. That also can make people feel insecure. Oh, yeah. Boundaries. The reason why they're so uncomfortable is that insecurity piece, that insecure piece that it it can have. But when we talk about balance, too, I think a lot of that comes from having these boundaries, whether it be with yourself or somebody else, you know, or things around you. And when you when you think about balance and discomfort, I mean, we have discomfort every single day. So it's not a strange sensation to us. You know, if you've had to go to the bathroom for a long time and you haven't let yourself go, that's uncomfortable. Right. You know, if you, if you walk a lot more than you're used to walking and you start to feel that physical fatigue, that's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. When you, when you, you work out. hit your elbow. <laughs> when you hit your elbow, yeah. When you, but when you have a good heavy workout, it's uncomfortable because yep. you're pushing and stressing and huffing and puffing. But the, the rewards afterwards are worth going through that discomfort right you you may be uncomfortable waiting to go to a special meal and so you have an extended time before you eat again that hunger feels uncomfortable but it's okay 
because there's a reward, you know, at the end or a benefit at the end. And I, and I think we confuse what discomfort really is. Right. Every time you try something new, you start a new job, you learn something new, a new piece of technology, you know, some fact that turns your world upside down a little bit and makes you, helps you decide to change something about your life. I mean, those are all moments of discomfort. They are. And I think it's, yeah. Scale. But you've honored it. All of them don't lead to worse off end. I mean, they're either positive, productive, or they're harmless discomfort. Yeah. And even if it's, I mean, even if it's pain, I mean, I'm not talking about pain, like serious injury or, or something like that, or mental illness, something like that. Obviously pain is very different from discomfort, but, but even if something positive doesn't come out of it, you learn something, you grow from it. Right. And, and like you said, Tiffany, we all have those moments where we have those emotional conversations and we look back and think, Ooh, ick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's being it, human. Only if we allow ourselves to, only, and exactly. if we're growth minded enough to do it and, and become vulnerable. But if we're not in that state, pre, pre, or if we're not mature enough to be in that state, in that mental, physical readiness, yeah. ready, willing, able, then we're going to seek that likeness factor in validating our own feelings and reconfirming those feelings of uncomfort and questioning, why should I be uncomfortable? Yeah. Right. And why do we want to find comfort for a very long time? What is familiar to them, those that live in the same town for all their lives, be in the same job, even if they like it or don't like it, whatever, but don't have those new sort of relationships or go to you know, a new restaurant or go out of your comfort zone, a new taste of music and food and travel experiences. Yeah. Well, and, and you get, I mean, I remember from 25 years of corporate life is, you know, you get that ain't it awful club in the office, right? Everybody goes and complains to each other about the same things and the same people over and over and over. And you just as kind of escalate that, you know, until it's just this tight little snowball that everybody just lives in because you can't see anything outside of it. Um, it's like, you know, the word energy vampire, exists for a reason <laughs> there mm -hmm. are some people who just can't get out of that it's it's easier to feel uncomfortable than to change it because the discomfort becomes comfortable does that make sense yeah yes because it's scary to do something new we think it's going to be uncomfortable right but we don't realize how uncomfortable we are where we are <laughs> right 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 and I think awareness is just a big piece of that, right? Like honoring and being aware, right? If you are aware that how people perceive you is really not necessarily your um, business, your business, <laughs> it's really not, you know, it's really not. And it's okay to exist in that uncomfortableness for a minute because eventually it stops being so uncomfortable. And I think that that's where the growth truly happens, you know, is to be okay with it enough to change it to now it being a little bit more comfortable, you know, and understanding that your experience is just your experience. Yeah. You know, it's not anybody else's. I feel that's one of my biggest things after the pandemic, just, just being home for a long time and 
um, like, I don't know, like getting comfortable with myself. Cause we usually, you know, I used to live a very busy life mm-hmm. where I used to like, I wouldn't have a minute to myself cause I would like to go out and see my friends and then go out with a dog and go somewhere new or whatever. And then we got into this lockdown situation where I needed to be with myself more. <laughs> and it sounds funny, but it's true. And I, and, and I kind of figure out myself a little bit more just to know what, what I like, what I don't, what makes me uncomfortable, what I, what, how to get out of that uncomfortable zone and, you know, all those little things that we never had the time before yeah. until we were down into lockdown, you know, and the importance of getting back to that balanced life, not only for our healthy reasons, you know, but in general terms, what, what type of life was I living versus the type of life I should be living and I like, or I want to be living. There's such beauty in the simplicity. There is. And that's such a great point that you bring up, Margaret, because you know, and, and I'm, again, this is, I'm not speaking directly to you. It's more just about it because uh, I feel as though as a society, we are constantly seeking again, this external validation, this external drive. I need to be busy. That makes me feel important. That makes me feel productive. That makes me feel all of these things. If you can't spend time by yourself, if you, you can't live in your own body, you know, that becomes a very uncomfortable thing. You know, I know part of my self-care is being by myself. I thrive on being alone, you know, not all the time, but I need it. Mm -hmm. I need it for myself. I need to not try, you know, it gets you away from this idea of pleasing people or having to do things for everybody else, you know, and that's a big piece of self-care. I mean, have you spent an hour with just yourself and your thoughts? You know, have you spent a couple hours with just yourself and, and not necessarily for you, but for others too, you know? Yeah. Well, and if you look, if you look at like even waiting in line at the supermarket or the post office for me, people can't stand in line or sit and wait without reading their phones without going and picking up a piece of literature or magazine. I mean, it's like that we, we have this, we think we need this constant stimulation. I was just right. watching Ted talk about it and I can't remember who it was, but um, it was amazing to talk about how much clarity you get in those moments of peace and calm without any external distraction. Stimulation. Yeah. And no agenda. And I think that that's the important piece of it too, is just no agenda. I mean, I have to, I'm just going to bring this up. I mean, when was the last time you pooped without your phone? Yeah. I'm being honest, right? Yeah. We have an outdoor <laughs> toilet, so it's pretty easy. Okay, so outside of Johnny, I mean, honestly, right? How many of us go into the bathroom with our phones? You know, I got to take my phone before I go into the bathroom. Like that is nonsensical. Like, why do you need your phone to go be in the bathroom? But we do it. And then we get sucked in to what? to nothing, to something else providing us these pleasure centers within our brain, you know, without being in that moment, you know, and And I think it's also very important is to be in that moment, be in that moment of pleasure, be in that moment of content, be in that moment of discomfort and honor it. 
be in those moments. Yeah, you know, my sister's dad on the toilet. You know, I will never forget this, but always uh, he he would always want to read something, not his phone, but on the back of his toilet, there would always be a hunting magazine, uh, some kind of like wild animal magazine and the Bible. <laughs> you have your option. <laughs> Little library in the bathroom. If you want to get some spiritual, read the Bible on the toilet. <laughs> a new thing that I've found in my phone, um, and I've been doing it lately, is you know how it's got like the do not disturb button? Yeah. And it, it gives you like the sleep time thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I act, I have activated it at 8.30 every day. So after, you know, after 8.30, my phone goes, basically it's not off. But it will it will not turn on the screen whenever I receive a text or any notification unless it's someone in my favorites mm-hmm. uh, that's an emergency. You know, where are we in there? Are we number one, number you're, two, you're, three? You're not even in the list of favorites. We're not. We're not no. there yet. Now we know where we stand with Margaret. <laughs> Remember the old Seinfeld where they were like numbering the speed like where am i on your speed dial yeah, <laughs> yeah but Sorry, I, it was it was it was a huge finding for me just because well my my husband he kind of tips off every time my because it makes like a sleepy sound when it's start like when it starts at 8 30 he's like oh my god i hate that thing and i'm like i actually don't i love it because it means I'm not going to be looking at my phone from now until tomorrow morning that it, you know, my alarm yeah. goes off. How relieving of a feeling. Yeah. 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 It's just nice to be present, you know, at night at home. It's, what about just being present with, with people or where yeah. you are? You and know what I mean? Physiologically affects our brains. We don't, we aren't able to be creative. We aren't able to have moments mm-hmm. of clear thought and just clarity in general, because of that constant stimuli, everything, yeah. every time we look at the phone, there's a hit of dopamine that comes and yeah. it's so uncomfortable. You know, what, what do you do if you forget your phone for a day? I mean, you just feel lost, you know, death. I mean, death. people have death. died. One of my, and I, and I'm, I'm as guilty as everybody else. So I'm not yes. ju- judging by this, but what, some of my favorite moments are when I got invited on a sailing vacation with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law and on the sailboat, there is no Wi-Fi, So the phone stayed put away. I didn't even think about looking at it. And I felt yeah. so refreshed. Yeah. yeah. And there's such freedom. Mm-hmm. There is freedom in that. If you forget your phone, it, once you get past the uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> stage of it, there's pure freedom in that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's freedom. That's also I, the part of balancing. You know, like right, right. It's really, it's really important to have a balance between. Have you ever seen your screen time? It's yes. insane. It's atrocious. Like, <laughs> it is. How bad insane. is it, Margaret? Guys, no, mine, mine is what not was bad. It yesterday. No. Well, we. Oh, yesterday I didn't even. Yesterday I was three hours in the water, so I didn't even bring my phone. And then I came back, and I was more thinking about my food intake than anything else. <laughs> and then I was dying out of sunburn. So yesterday was a pretty good day for me, phone-wise. But in general terms, you know, sometimes we believe we can say it's okay because we work from our phones too. Right. It's not okay. It's not, it's not. Know, like. Five hours looking at a screen a day 
is not okay. It, there's an issue there. And there's nothing that's so important that it can't no. wait. Right. And we put it above and we put it above somebody else. You know, I do my best and I, I, I don't always, you know, especially when it comes to my daughter, when I'm with her, I do my best to just be with her and not also with my phone. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think that that's so important is to honor where you, you know, the relationship, you know, if, if we're having this podcast and we're all deeply distracted you know, it, it's going to have a different tone to it. It's going to have a different, like be present, give your, if you want to be on your phone, this is what I say, then allow that time and go do it a hundred percent. Oh, you mean go like be on phone? your phone with intention. <laughs> no, do I you get off your phone. We, we have, we have a rule in our house. The phone is not used at the dinner table. If we mm -hmm. go out to eat or we go out for a aperitivo when we're allowed, when we used to be allowed to, um, the phone doesn't come out and unless there's something specific that you're discussing and you want to look up really quickly and then you ask permission and it comes out for that moment and goes back away. But the phone does not come out when we're doing something together. Yeah. I think that that's so important, you know, and again, if, like I said, if you want to be on your phone, then go be on your phone and let that be the activity. If you want to be with your kids, then be with your kids. Let that be that activity. Give them that space, right? Yeah. If you want to be with your partner, then just be with your partner. We don't need these outside things. And yes, it happens. But if you do it with awareness and with intention, you know, that just shows the other people too, that you actually care and you're in that moment. Yeah. Be in that moment, uncomfortable or not, be in that moment. Yeah. And you'll find that you'll find that balance then, you know, with your priorities. Right. People say, I wish I had more time to blank. You do. You do have the time. Yeah. Put, put on your hour or one of those other apps that, that says how much time you spend on Facebook, how much time you spend right. on Instagram, how much spend right. time you spend playing games, whatever. How many times did you open your phone? That's an alarming one. That's an alarming How many one. times did you pick up your phone and turn on your home screen? You probably even have it on sound, but yet we're still going to pick up our phones and see what, 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 what are we looking for? But we're, we're looking for somebody to need us, to want us, to reach out to us, to feel connected. Do you know what I mean? But it's in place of something else. And especially when that happens, if you're, again, trying to be present with your partner, or if I do it, I'm with my daughter, we're coloring and I pick up my phone just to see. And then I go like, what the hell? What's wrong with me? You know, and I, that's, I don't really mean that, but like, why can't I just be? And so I have to go physically like throw the phone, get it out of my purview, yeah. you know, but we kind of have to sometimes play those tricks on ourselves. Just get it out of your view. I did, I did some research for um, a talk I did not long ago. And the startling statistic is that Normal users of cell phones spend two and a half hours a day total on their phones. Heavy users spend three and three quarter hours a day on their phones. So if you always hear yourself saying, I don't have time, or you have relationships that are suffering, or your work isn't, you know, what you'd like it to be, or you just don't have that sense of mental clarity, have a look. Oh, I don't yeah. use my phone that much. I only use it to check blah, blah, blah keep it put away for the day and see how many times you're tempted to reach it for it. Right. Right. And I think that comes down to a large conversation of multitasking because multitasking is something that drives me crazy. People think that the more they do, the better, 
how much of your attention is getting to that? If you're doing two things at once, how much put it in a personal relationship? Again, I can use my daughter. If she says, mama, will you color with me? And I'm coloring with her, but I'm also writing an email. Who's getting my attention? Why am I splitting it? Why is one not more important than the other? I should either step away, honey, you're going to give me, mama's going to send this email. I'll be back in two minutes and then give her my attention or vice versa. You know, multitasking is not a good thing. That's, I, that's I can't a think of a time. That's a conversation for a whole other podcast. Uh, it There's really so is. Much research to back up how destructive it is. And multitasking. It is. Yeah. You know, and so we'll save that for another podcast. As a matter of fact, I'm going to write that down. Multitasking, because that's a juicy one. Let's, cha- uh, let's challenge everybody to become a unitasker. A unitasker? Yeah. On a unicycle. Oh, no, wait, that's two things. On a unicorn. Um, <laughs> oh, on a unicorn. So we were talking, you know, in a, again, in this fear of like emotional, spiritual imbalance and whatnot. And we talked about it before we started the podcast. So I just wanted to, to spend a few minutes on it, if that's okay with you guys. Forgiveness. Yeah. Huge. Well, can I, can I just jump in with forgiveness? It's funny because I'm, I, I'm kind of the opposite of like, not everyone, but I'm, I'm on the other side. I tend to forgive everyone very, very quickly. And I'm very harsh at myself, you know, like so you're not forgiving to yourself. Yeah. Like I, 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 I always, you know how we, we tend to say, forgive them, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing or they're right. what they're doing to you. Mm-hmm. I tend to be like that a lot. Like a friend, she was bad at, with me and I, an hour later, or or even what happened with my dog, you know, an hour later, I had forgiven, I have forgiven him. I was fine. I was ready to move on and be be okay with it. And then I start blaming myself. I start saying, well, what did I do, you know, that caused or triggered him or my friend or my mom or whoever. And I, and I tend to twist stuff like that. And then I tend to let people like run over me and do whatever they want because I'm very, very forgiving, but I'm not forgiving with myself. Mm -hmm. So that's also, you gotta, you just gotta know where you are and you gotta kind of switch up a little bit of your, your, your mindset or your thoughts. Have that balance with yourself. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You know, cause you've given it and it's, I think it's great that you can forgive other people, you know, and I'll bring up the, the, the forgiveness mantra um, that has really, really helped me, you know, and I had experienced this, you know, where I said, you know, I, I went in a spiritual healer, if you will. And she said, you have to forgive. And for me, I thought forgiveness was suggesting that it was okay. Right. It yeah. was giving them permission to be shitty or permission to treat me poorly. No. And I understood it wrong. And, and, and then when I understood it, it wasn't to forgive them for their misgivings. It was to forgive them for me. I'm going to forgive them for me and I'm going to forgive myself too. And so the forgiveness mantra, I'll share it with you. Um, and, and Margaret, the first part, I think maybe even would help you in some of these situations where the mantra goes like this. I forgive myself for that, which I know and that, which I don't know. Mm-hmm. So you're right there already forgiving yourself. And I forgive person for what they know and what they don't know. 
right? Because if somebody, you know, your mom or somebody treats you poorly or, or what have you, you don't know what they know or what they've experienced or any of that, nor do you know for yourself. And so you're forgiving yourself first, because I think that that's the most important thing. And then I think that speaks to exactly what you're talking about. You're forgiving yourself first, and then you're forgiving the other people, and then you're moving on. Yeah. And it's in that moment of uncomfortableness where you have to, you don't have to, right? But you are allowing this forgiveness to take place, this transfer, you know, and you're not saying it to anybody else. It's just for yourself. Yeah. And the more that we can forgive ourselves first, and then the, you know, whatever the, the person, people or, or situation, you know, it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel vulnerable. It's going to be this insecurity ridden experience, but we can move forward with it. And our brain loves to know what's going to happen, right? So if it's already in our mind, if we're practicing this and practicing this, it becomes so easy where it doesn't have to be as uncomfortable, you know, when something provides us this feeling or unbalance or, or whatever it may be, is to look inward because it's not an external, it's not an external attachment. No. It's an internal one, but we seek the external to not be uncomfortable, you know? But everything we perceive is our experience and that's an internal thing. And so I think a large piece of that has to do with looking inward. Yeah. You know, and like we talked about, I mean, we talked about a lot of stuff, right? But, you know, balance, uncomfortability, you know, it, it, it seeks to, it seeks this outward, this outward energy when truly it's more about looking inward and, and things like that. Because that's when we start to project, mm -hmm. you know, and again, talking about that doctor, my personal attachment to that is to be that person yeah. is to be that so full of energy and love and contentment. You know, that's my journey. You know, if I'm, if I'm being completely honest, that is my journey. Um, I have a long way to go, but it's okay. And I'm honoring that for myself, but that will be me someday. I, I just know it. Um, because I'm, I'm doing all the hard things, I'm doing yeah. all the uncomfortable things, you know, the best that I can. And I fail, of course, but I forgive myself for that because I'm going to, mm -hmm. you know, we're all going to fail at certain times. And it's again, just, you know, being uncomfortable with that to become comfortable and not projecting it onto others. We call that in my coaching group, we call that failing forward. Cool. I like that. What was, can I ask, Julie, what's your number one piece of advice for this? I mean, we've talked about a lot, but what do you perceive to be the strongest piece? Um, I think getting really in tune with your personal values mm -hmm. and doing your best to live within them, especially when it's uncomfortable. Brene Brown has a lot to say about vulnerability sure and boundaries. And yes, she does. I think she is very worth a read because she has some really good good perspectives on that she's worth everything yeah. truly she has a couple podcasts out she has multiple books yeah. i agree with you yeah. she speaks to me yeah what what about you johnny what is one piece of advice that you've heard for our listeners i'd say going back um and really accepting the circumstances that have 
that you've given this week, this month, this year, not only that has been done to you through circumstances, through other people, but also what it, you've given in balancing that between the two, as well as overcoming those fears, those anxieties, those blocks, those challenges, those walls, how you face them, how you've really faced it and either sought out help or looked within yourself to grow within yourself and to allow others um, part of your community, part of your family, part of your friendship to know the journey that you're on and part of that um, balancing act. And so looking inward to understand what do I control out of this? You know, I have perceived somebody to make, you know, I've perceived this conversation. I'm feeling in, you know, vulnerable and I'm feeling insecure. What can I control out of this? Well, I can't control the other person. I can't control making them feel, well, I need to make them feel bad because this is how they made me feel. The only thing that I can control out of that is inward, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we're looking to control, which is a very natural thing and it's okay, what can you control out of that? You can control your boundaries. You can control how you look inward. And I'm sorry, Johnny, that's just a large part of what I heard of what you were talking about. But Margaret, what about you and your advice? I feel we all need to be able to be okay, even when uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like be comfortable with the uncomfortable or at least give our, give our best be curious because yeah yes be yeah. curious to yourself be kind to yourself you know and i think you know forgiveness is a it is a large piece of that also be kind to yourself seek inward is my advice always you know you can validate your own feelings we talked about before um writing things down you know we have that that's something that we can control you know, if we're feeling out of control, we can control our pen, our paper, you know, because again, and what I was saying before is there no, there's, we're looking for some sort of validation. Well, we can write it down and validate it for ourselves because again, that's that inward search, you know, where I think the work lies, even though it's so incredibly hard. This podcast was produced by Margaret, Julie, Tiffany, and myself. Keep updated for the latest Deep Health Nutritious Conversations. If you're already successful in the health and well-being industry, a coach, practitioner, trainer, marketer, the esoteric, and other related career passions with a thriving business and have an interesting story, we'd love to hear from you. 